Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and Lord, we're thankful that we can ask the question, how can it be that you would love us and that you would die in our place, that we might be saved from our sins? Lord, we thank and praise you for being such a great and good God. We ask now that you would bless this service, that we may lift up these hymns to your honor and glory. Lord, that the preaching of your word this morning would be simple and Bible and encourage us to walk in the ways that you would have us to walk. And Lord, that our worship would not only be confined to the singing and the giving and the invitation of today, but would be reflected in each step we take as we go through this coming week. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Dismissed at this time to the Children's Church. The rest of us, let's take our Bibles. Turn to what has, I would hope, become a familiar passage to you this year in our church. Galatians chapter 5. I mean Ephesians chapter 5. Be ye therefore followers of God... As dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints." Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God on the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. 
Now, what we have here is a section, a part of the book of Ephesians. We have chosen verse 1 to be uh, part of our theme for this year, that, that we would be followers of God as dear children. Now, uh, there is very few things that are more wonderful than dear children, and few things that are worse than undear children, uh, we might say. Uh, this morning, I say to my little grandson, I said, will you go with Grandpa? And he just goes, oh, now that is a dear child. Earlier, I said, do I get hugs? He goes, yes, and then runs and hides behind the door. Uh, uh, children do things, but to be a dear child of God should be a goal that each one of us strive for. Uh, we have a mentality here uh, that has developed over the last few years that if somehow you get, uh, excuse me, if somehow you get recognition or uh, special notice at work or privileges that somehow you're doing something wrong to do that. How many of you remember the teacher's pets in school? How many of you were a teacher's pet? Don't raise your hand on that one. People might get you on the way. No, uh, this is church. We, we do things right here. But uh, if you'll stop back and think about that teacher's pet... I'll promise you they did one thing that is in common with all those people. They did what the teacher wanted them to do. Isn't that terrible? And you say, I tried as hard as I could and I could never, ever get things done. Really? I mean, this is church. Let's be honest here. You know, sometimes we use that mentality of, well, they're just different. You know what happens in a church sometimes? Oh, that's just the preacher. Well, if you were here for Sunday school, what was God's desire with the nation of Israel? He wanted to make them a kingdom of priests. He wanted to have the same relationship with every member of the nation of Israel that he wanted to have with the high priest who was Aaron at that time. He wanted to have that same fellowship and that same communion with all of Israel. Now, in the book of Revelation, what is the first thing that the redeemed give thanks unto God for. For thou hast redeemed us from all nations and made us what? Priests and kings. Now, I, I want to challenge you that when you were in school, your teacher was human, not from another planet. Amen? Uh, and, uh hate to pop some of your bubbles there, but... Uh, that your teacher was a human being, and as a human being, we're only capable of having one or two favorites in a classroom. 
But God is capable of having many favorites. That reminds me of the story of a man that had many children. And upon his passing, the children got together and they found out that each one of them had thought and believed that they were their dad's favorite child. And it began to dawn on them that their father had biblically and wisely tried to help all of his children understand that they were equally loved. Now, I'll tell you, that's hard to do. I know, I have a lot of children. And... I I want to love all my children the same. But God isn't, isn't hindered by the same problems we have as human beings. And so when Paul gives this command here, which is what this is, be ye followers of God. This is not an option. This is something that each child of God, each person that has been saved, is supposed to do. I mean, we've often tried to illustrate this point through history and in in our church. And unfortunately, sometimes it's been illustrated to a very great degree of negativity. But if you are following Jesus Christ... And I am following Jesus Christ. Ought there not be some commonality? Ought not we be heading in the same direction? Should there be conflict in our desire to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? Absolutely not. It is not there. It cannot be there. The reason there is conflict, the reason there is problems, is because we think. We are following Jesus when we're actually following ourselves. You know, uh, maybe I'll just take a moment here. How many of you talk to yourselves? It's okay. Do Do you know that's actually healthy? Uh... The Bible, we're going to get to it here, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It it is something that if we are, these are characteristics of what that dear child is supposed to look like. Most of the time when we speak to ourselves, it's, it's not positive. Can't believe that guy drives like that. Because you got cut off. Or your parking spot got stolen. Or you got crowded in on the subway beside somebody who didn't believe in, doesn't believe in antiperspirant. Uh, that, oh, that is just such a terrible thing. Uh, we, we live and we speak to ourselves and, and that's not a bad thing. But the question is, what are we saying? You see, 
It says that if we're going to follow, be a follower of God as a dear child, verse 2, it says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Now, if we're going to walk in love, we've got to follow the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ walked in love. Did he ever get upset at anybody? Read your Bible. He most certainly did. He he was into much, many, sharp, uh, very negative confrontations with the religious crowd because they were trumpeting as lies, as truth, lies about God. They had changed the commandments of God and had redesigned the entire plan that God had given the nation of Israel, Mount Sinai, into something that served themselves. In fact, uh, all about 40 years ago now, uh, a fellow came up with a plan. He said, if you really want to be rich, invent a new religion. His name was L. Ron Hubbard. And it worked. Made a lot of money. But uh, it didn't get anybody closer to God, now did it? You see, if we're going to walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, we, we talk often about Christmas, how Christ left heaven's glory to be born in Bethlehem's manger. But, but I would like to t- tell you the challenge of living 30 years in the house of Mary and Joseph as an ordinary, nameless, nobody, unknown child just waiting for the time to be fulfilled. Now, God has a little different understanding of time than we do. Amen? But... Jesus still had to make himself subject to time. He had to live in a human body that had to learn how to walk and how to talk. And when he was 12 years old, he was astounding the doctors and the lawyers in Jerusalem at his answers and his understanding because he was the God that wrote the law. And yet we have no evidence that Jesus ever said, Ye foolish leaders of the blind when he was 12 years old. He would say that when he was an adult. But are are you getting the idea of the patience of Jesus Christ? Of the selflessness of him being trapped in a human body for all of that time? And waiting... On the Father's command. And his goal was to be cursed, beaten, spit upon, and nailed to a piece of wood like a picture on a wall until his human life expired. Is that why Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice? Could I challenge you that is exactly 
what Paul was trying to tell us in the book of Romans, that if we're going to walk in love, we must follow the example of Jesus Christ. And everything that Jesus did while He was here on this earth was for our benefit and for the satisfaction of God's judgment and His holiness. That there was not one thing that Jesus did that was to glorify Himself. Do you? Do you take private time for just you? I I just need some me time. Do you realize Jesus never, never did that? Of course, He's God. But He never pleased Himself. What He did was to please the Father. He found satisfaction in life. He found goodness in His life in simply being obedient to the Father. That's what walking in love was. It it said, when he had finally fulfilled all things which were written of him, he said, I thirst. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. It is finished. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he gave up the ghost. That if we're going to walk in love as Jesus walked in love, that his life was offered as a sacrifice of a sweet-smelling savor. What was that savor that Jesus gave in His life that so pleased God the Father. Uh, I think I can put it in one word. Obedience. Obedience to the words of God. Now, we don't like that word. Unless you're training a dog. Then, sit, sit, heal, heal. What's on top of the house? Roof. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, they have all those kinds of silly things that they teach little dogs to do. We used to have a neighbor had a dog and, oh, 30 minutes straight called the name of the dog. This. And do this over again. Sit. Sit. Ranger. Sit. Ranger. Ranger. And I'm sitting there going... Closing the window and turning on the air conditioner, trying to drown out the noise. God's not going to do that to you and I, because we're not dogs. He's given us some direction here. He tells us, through the Apostle Paul, that we're to be followers of God as dear children. If we want an example to follow, we follow the example of Christ. But in following that example, there's some things that we must avoid. Fornication, all uncleanness, covetousness, is never once to be named among the saints. Unless you're on TBN. Then you can want anything you want and tell God about it and He'll give it to you. No, the Bible's right. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting. 
There are men who call themselves preachers from time to time that have stood in a pulpit with a Bible in their hand and have used profane and vulgar language in the pulpit trying to claim that they're just being real. Uh, the newest uh, follower of this foolishness is a guy named Stephen Anderson out of uh, somewhere or other. Uh, you'll find him on YouTube, uh, and I'd encourage you not to do that. Uh, before him, we had the fellow Mars Hill Church in Seattle that was actually much more profane than Mr. Anderson ever has been. But I, I'm going to tell you, the Bible says that we do not need filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient. There's a lot of things in this world that are funny. Very, very funny. And we like to laugh. But if we're going to be followers of God as dear children, we ought not be talking like that and laughing at some of those things. I mean, this is just what the Bible says. It says, but rather giving of thanks for this ye know... That no whoremonger, nor unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things, the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. So, if we're going to walk in love as Christ had... We've got to understand that sinful behavior and foolishness and uncleanness and all the things that are attached to that can have no part in our life, in our relationship with God. Because we were sometime darkness. But now we are light in the Lord. And it is the fruit of the Spirit, verse 9. Now, verse 10 is going to start a list of things, and this is where we're going to spend our main time here this morning, on these characteristics of the dear child of God. And and I would challenge you just to go through this passage on a regular basis, more than just this morning here, and see if these things have any place in your life. And if they do not, we need to work on them. Verse 10, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. One of the reasons we sing the hymns like we do this morning is I can prove those hymns are acceptable unto the Lord. Amen? One of the reasons we order our church services in the way that we do and we do the things that we do as a church is because we can prove from the Word of God that these things are acceptable unto the Lord. That's what we're trying to do. You know... One of the things of of the world, they always come up with this. Okay, you believe in God, prove it. Prove it. Well, you believe in evolution, prove it. 
and they'll list you a whole bunch of lies and misconceptions and false information and doctored uh, medical, I mean, doctored, uh, quote-unquote, falsely called scientific experiments and, and uh, uh, the global warming crowd do the whole thing and the baby murdering crowd do the whole thing. I mean, uh, Roe versus Wade is based all on perjury and false evidence before uh, the Supreme Court of the United States. The people who did it have now admitted that they doctored and they changed information. The world is built on a lie. The Bible says, prove. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. How can I prove what is acceptable unto the Lord? It's very simple. The Bible says so. Amen? That, that, and I will tell you that if, if you follow as a dear child, you'll spend the rest of your life proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, never getting it all done, because we're not Jesus. We will never match up to that standard. We could never walk in love as Jesus did, but we can try, and that's the effort that God rewards with that title of a dear child. Let's keep going. There's a lot of them here. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Oh, we could spend the whole morning there. We have places that call themselves churches that meet in bars. I mean, real bars, working bars. Saturday night till two or three or four, whenever the law says they got to close down, they're serving liquor and all the other things that go on there. And then they come in, they vacuum the place up and uh, uh, clean it up a little bit, make it look nice. And the the preacher leans on the bar and says, I'm going to tell you about Jesus today. Uh, The Bible says that we're not to have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Those of you that used to go to bars before you're saved, did anything good happen in a bar that drew you closer to God and me? Yeah, I came to a realization that I needed God. Well, if you came to that realization, what was the first thing you did? You got out of the bar. You didn't stay there. You hear me say this. I don't know if it makes any sense or not. Sometimes I feel like I'm just speaking into the air. But I want you to know that there are churches all over this city that go to the world to get their music. Their music is based on Beatles and, uh, oh, who was it? Amy Grant's favorite songwriter is Kenny Loggins and the Doobie Brothers. Seriously, that was her testimony 30-some years ago. I don't know if her taste have changed. Now, frankly, I just don't care. The contemporary music of this world, many of the people that are there are there because they're not good enough to be in the world. 
You look at many of these quartets that were in country music, the Oak Ridge Boys, the Statler Brothers. They started out in churches, Dolly Parton. Once they got good enough to be in the world, that's where they went. They didn't come back, my friend. Most of these Christian rock musicians wouldn't be good enough to carry the instrument cases of the real rock musicians. But because they have nice words, the Bible says have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. It says, but rather reprove them. I I had a person once tell me, well, I I guess I'll just have to apologize for all the people were saved at the Christian rock concert I put on in my church. And my thought was simply this, yeah, let's, uh, let's give it a little bit of time and see how many of them were saved. How many of them continue in the faith? How many of them follow God as dear children? Because if you turn off the music, they go somewhere else where they can still get the music. You see, it says, For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. And there's only one place you can get manifest your sinfulness and your disobedience to God and learn how to be obedient to God. And that's in this book right here called the Bible. That's where we've got to go. We cannot go anywhere else. Verse 14 says, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. You don't have to pay, uh, just go along with the world. Verse 15 says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Time is important, is it not? There are lawyers in this city that have a little clock by their phone. And if you call them up for a consultation, the hand goes on the start button. And they are charging you by the minute. Some of them for multiple hundreds of dollars an hour. To just have the privilege of speaking with them on the phone. Listen, it tells us here that we are to redeem the time then we're to be careful with our time. The next one says, Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Um, when, I, when we have the inner city missions class, many times, the last time I was at Heartland, uh, I, I preached a sermon in chapel on knowing the will of God. Uh, I attend fellowship meetings with other pastors, and one of the things that just never, ever ceases to astound me is statements like this. Well, I just followed the Lord, and I believe I'm doing the will of God. Well, the Bible here says that we're, uh, we're supposed to be wise. 
Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and understanding the will of God is wisdom. Now, the will of God is not a complicated thing, but most of us miss it because we refuse to do the simplest things. And we don't have time to deal with the whole will of God here this morning in this message. But can I challenge you that the will of God is for everyone to be saved? Would you agree? Second Peter 3, 9, not willing that any should perish. But people are going to miss that, that once a person is saved, it is God's will that they be baptized and serve Him in a local church. I mean, those things are so elementary and fundamental to an understanding of the Scripture, and yet most churches just, oh, I come here every Sunday. Doesn't that make me a member? No. You have to request membership in the Open Door Bible Baptist Church. You must be voted in as a member, and you must meet certain biblical requirements. You must be saved the Bible way, baptized the Bible way, and willing to serve the Lord according to the Bible. Could I challenge you that patterning your, your life after those directives is wise and not foolish? And that we would follow the directions of the Bible here. What's the next one? Verse 18, And be not drunk with wine wherein is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, many people like that. The Bible says a little wine is okay as long as you don't get drunk. We don't have time this morning. But uh, let me ask you a question. When does the alcohol begin to affect you? When does it alter behavior? First drink. No one will argue that point. Oh, you're not drunk. But you're under the influence of the wine or the beer or the liquor or whatever it is. It is altering your behavior. It is changing your thought processes. It is changing the way you assess information. You are supposed to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. You know how hard that is? Actually, it's not hard at all. Because it's the Holy... How hard is it for the Holy Spirit of God to control me? It takes no effort on His part. But it sure is difficult getting myself out of the way so He can do what He wants to do now, isn't it? And so here's the cure. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spirits. See, I told you we were going to get to talking to yourself this morning. Amen. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Could I challenge you that if you went to work tomorrow, singing in your heart, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. 
And can it be just some of the hymns we sing? That if in your heart, without making a sound, you just let those few hymns reverberate through your mind and through your inner person, would it change your attitude at work? Well, I'll tell you, it, it, it will. It'll change your attitude no matter where you are. Do you realize that if you're filled with the Spirit of God, there isn't room for your desires and your things to creep in. How many things did the disciples do to irritate our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Hello? Longer list than we could mention in a sermon. And yet, did Jesus ever have an untoward display of temper or behavior toward the disciples? I want to challenge you, he did not. You know why? Because he was full of the Spirit of God. Because he is God. But if we could get these things in our heart, there wouldn't be room for these other things that keep us from being that dear child that is following God. One more. We're done. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. I want to challenge you that that verse right there, verse 21 of Ephesians chapter 5, is the essence of what makes a church a church. You see, Jesus Christ walked on this earth, not seeking himself, his own, but seeking what was of the Father. And that if we could walk together in this church, not seeking ourselves and the things that make us whatever, church is not a place to display your talents or your goodness. It's a place where we draw our attention as a church to the goodness and the holiness of our God. The God that cannot be touched, the God that we cannot approach to, yet desires and has made a way that we can come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy to help in time of need. The God wants us to have direct access to Him. He wants us to be a kingdom of priests. He has made us priests and kings unto our God, and even though we haven't realized that as such, we will one day in His kingdom. You know, the problem, I had that little skit at the ladies' meeting yesterday where we had uh, one servant and two uh, princesses trying to get the servant to beat on the other person. And it was, uh, it was quite a hilarious thing to behold. And uh, after several back and forth between the two royalty, the servant looks up and says, No man can serve two masters. And that is so true. You see, you get a bunch of kings in the same place, and they fight with each other. You really want to understand history? 
That's what World War I was all about. It's often called the War of the Cousins because the Tsar of Russia, the Crown Prince of Germany, the King of England, they were all related to each other. It was a terrible thing. But God says He's made every one of His believers a king and a priest, and He's put us all in the same room called the church. How do we get along? By submitting ourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. You know what that means? If somebody asks you to do something that's not biblical, we obey God. See, if we want to be those dear children, let's take just a moment here. Verse 10. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Verse 11. No fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Uh, Verse 14 says, Awake thou that sleepest. Verse 15. Walk circumspectly. Pay attention to where you are going. Verse 16. Redeeming the time. Verse 17. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. Verse 19, speaking to yourselves with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the reason I read the whole thing is because it's all connected. You can't just do part of it. And then the last one is submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. I would challenge you if every member of our church, including your pastor, got a hold of all of these things, that walking through those doors into this church would be like going to heaven for a minute. Just would. Because we'd all be God's pets. We'd be those dear children. By the way, verse five, verse 1 of chapter 5 is not an option. It, it's a command. It's something we're supposed to do. Uh, it is something that if we're going to follow God, we must do. To be followers of God is dear children. We've got to know where we're going. We've got to pay attention. We've got to understand the will of the Lord. We've got to fill ourselves with spiritual songs and praises unto our God. And we've got to submit ourselves one to another. Stop seeking our own and seek what is Jesus Christ. Dear children, that's what we're trying for. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, the time of invitation.
Lord, this is a time where we make decisions based on the Word of God. And Lord, we just ask that you would work in each heart and life here today. Lord, we have the full spectrum, unsaved, to mature Christian saints, undear children to dear children. And Lord, your word commands us to follow you as dear children. And Lord, I pray that we would understand and desire to be obedient to your command through the Apostle Paul here as we've studied it in your word this morning. Lord, that we would speak to ourselves in spiritual songs and hymns. That we would allow our thought process to be filled with giving of thanks rather than the latest whatever is. Hollywood movie, news clips, all of these things to take our attention. Lord, that we would learn what it means to walk together, submitting ourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Lord, our church, we need to learn these lessons. We need to emulate these traits that are listed so simply and carefully in your word. We ask that you would give us grace as your servants to become those dear children that you would desire us to be. That when you come here, you'd find a room full of your favorites. Because we're obedient to your word. We ask that you would have your will in this time we call invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll have Leland come lead us in the hymn of invitation. If you're here today and you're saved and you need to pray, now is the time to leave your seat. If you're not sure about your eternity with God, would you come here and let us take a Bible and show you how you may know your sins are forgiven and heaven's your home. As we sing, would you come?